go. So Jesus says in, uh, in John 10.10 10, that he came to bring life and life to the fullest. All right? So I just want you to think about that just for a moment. Jesus said, I came to bring life and life abundantly. Life to the fullest degree. All right? That's, that's Jesus' desire. Have any of you ever lived in an area where there, the climate never changes? Yeah? Yeah, where it's, where it's uh, maybe a perpetual, I guess some places are perpetual winter. Uh, most of those places are more like perpetual springtime maybe, uh, which sounds nice. That's what Ecuador is like. I've been to Ecuador three times, and, uh, and being on the equator, it only fluctuates like 10 degrees maybe um, throughout the year. And so, uh, so it's kind of all, all the same. Now, at, at first, that, that can be really like, you know, neat to, to have sunny days every day, maybe kind of the Southern California vibe and stuff like that. But if you've lived in the changing of the seasons, you realize how important it is and how beautiful it can be. Um, and, and so I want to think about something. Hold on. Oh, there we go. Thanks, Dwayne. You knew exactly what was going on there. He knew that I didn't want to go to the next slide yet, and so he did a blackout. I'm impressed. Otherwise, it was just going to stay up there. See, we work together. We have long production meetings before these gatherings. I mean, most of my week is spent planning the transitions between one element and the next for a Sunday morning. All right, so life is crazy and life is stressful. I do not need to tell any of you that because most of you live that. In fact, I often hear people talk about it all, but here's what happens. Here's what happens. Yeah, this is a crazy season. There's like so much going on right now. Or, uh, yeah, work is just, whew, work is really, really stressful. Or I'm just really exhausted, you know, I, I, I need a break. And then, then a break comes, a month passes, and we talk again. And guess what I hear? Oh, it's just such a, it's such a crazy season right now. It's just so much going on. Uh, yeah, work is, is just so stressful right now. <laughs> and I'm like, but, but you said season, and seasons change, right? Like, are you living in a land where the season is the same all the time? And if you are, and that season is one of constant stress and constant uh, intensity, then I think we might be missing a little of what Jesus intended for life. This whole life to the fullest, life abundantly, when we're feeling like the, the reality of life constantly is as if we're holding something that is, that is pushing our back forward and we can't really stand up straight and we certainly can't move easily like, like what is the guy, Atlas? See the one that's got the world on his shoulders? Yes, because he shrugged. Um, so, so anyways, the, uh, the, the reality for many of us is that stress and um, being overwhelmed by life, being exhausted, whatever, it has become so regular that we think it is the only option and, it, and that it's the norm. And this is really, really problematic because um, seasons are meant to change. And if nothing changes, then often something is up. But can we, can we talk honestly about how Jesus' people are just, just every bit as stressed out? Every bit as frenetic, at least in the United States, as anybody else? And I'm not just saying this anecdotally. There's actual studies that have been done that shows that, that, uh, that Christians don't necessarily handle stress in any way differently than, than anybody else. And I think that we need to acknowledge that maybe something's up. Um, 
Because our theology is founded on a belief that it's not up to us to be perfect and it's not up to us to achieve anything because Jesus has done all that is necessary to kind of set us free to live in grace and love and, and peace and to live forever. And we are super stressed about it all. God help us. Like seriously, we need God to help us because this is not healthy. I've been reading about uh, stress lately, um, actually by a book uh, that was published by, uh, called, called uh, Burnt Out, that was published by two former UD grads, I believe. Am I right? Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, I, and so I'm going to tell you something fascinating, and, and um, for those of you that are brain scientists, don't hold this too, too much against me if I mess up a couple things. Uh, but but let, me, let me tell you a little bit about stress, okay, and what happens. Stress is what happens in our body and in our mind when we perceive an outside threat to our well-being, okay? So when there, when there is something that something in us perceives as a threat, then we experience stress, okay? Um, it's any, anything that could harm us. It's, it's an adaptive response, and over the course of history, it's helped us do things like run away from lions, okay? Um, so, so when there's a threat, our brain releases all these chemicals and all these hormones that create a physical change in us, all right? We get more alert. Our brain focuses, um, and our, our mind focuses on um, uh, survival techniques. Our heart begins to beat faster to send more blood to our muscles in case we need to take off fast, all right? Our digestion slows, and our tissue repair stops, in the body, these are physical responses because every single thing leans in to the present moment and survival, all right? Everything in our body focuses on the thing that's creating the stress response. And it prepares you to do what when the lion comes? Run or fight it, right? And both of those things, you need to be ready to go. Usually run, that's my personal preference. Um, not that I've encountered too many lions. I have encountered an alligator, though. I need to tell that story again at one point, because that was a battle. Um, but for real, for real, I fought an alligator um, two years, three years ago. And what's that? Okay. I mean, he was biting something that was on the end of my hands. It's a little bit intense. Gosh. Jeez, you fight an alligator and nobody gives you any credit for it. Oh, my goodness. Come on. Man, see if I tell you that story again. All right. So, okay. Man, you guys just totally threw me off. Where are we going? Okay, we're running. Yes, we're running. Okay. So, what happens as a result of this stress of this lion that's chasing you? Number one, you, you get eaten. Well, and that's kind of the end of the stress because you're done. Um, but number two, maybe you outrun it, or maybe you escape some way. Um, either way, uh, maybe, maybe you get back to the village, and you yell to your villagers, and they all come out with spears, and they fight it, and they, and they kill the lion. And then all of a sudden, there's great cheers, and there's rejoicing, and you cook the lion, and you dance around the fire, and you tell stories about how it was a close call. But there's a physical thing that marks the end of the stress. The stress cycle gets completed. This is really important. This is, this is um, the science of stress, okay? And so, so what ends up happening is that there are things that you physically do to, to signify that the, the stress is no longer there. There's a celebration, okay? 
Now, now, interestingly, something else happens because it's not always like that. If you're running away from the lion and everything's going and all of a sudden the lion gets struck by lightning and you turn around and it's just lying there, the body, all the adrenaline that's coursing through your veins, all the stress juices, it's still there. You're still shaking. You still feel like you need to run and hide, right? There's all of this stuff that's still happening in your body because even though the stressor has been dealt with, the stress is still there because there's been nothing to signify to your body that it's safe to move on. So you usually have to go and do something very physical. So you have to go back and you have to tell the story and you have to hear people respond to it. You can't just stand there and say, okay, well, that's done. Okay? And, and so you, you, you still kind of want to scream or hide. So you have to jump up and down. You can't have to say, I can't believe I'm alive. Um, your, your body has to complete the stress cycle. You have to do something. So... These are the ways that the body has been made. So let's put it on a more modern day example, right? You have a really stressful day at work with a meeting that didn't go well and you're on edge. All right, you haven't eaten much. Why haven't you eaten much? Because most of your body has been moving away from your digestive system because it's on high alert because you're stressed out. We don't, we don't connect all these things. We're getting to Jesus, by the way, with all this real soon. Um, but it's just really interesting for us to understand because we are beings that are created by God. So we should understand that our bodies are a part of how God wants to, uh, to teach us. Um, okay, so your work day ends and you have trouble shaking it. So what do many of us do? You go and you work out, right? Or you go for a walk or you, how about this one? Have you ever noticed what happens when you get changed at the end of a day? That all of a sudden, now, it's not always easy to turn off, but all of a sudden when you get changed, I used to come home from work when I was a youth pastor, my first year of working, first two years working a full-time job, and I could not get out of it. And my, my new wife, which is currently my old wife, I mean my same wife, <laughs> we're, we're, <laughs> it's been a week, man, we're going to edit that one out, Melanie, thank you, thank you. She does listen on Mondays, so it's got to happen right away. Um, so she's very, I'm going to redeem this. She's super insightful. And so what she said was, Keith, you need to get changed when you get home from work. And I work in jeans, you know, I'm not, it's not a formal job, but I started to get home and I started to get changed to signify to my body that it was a new shift and it helped. It was amazing. But here's what happens. You go back and you have the same exact stress for the next day. And so you try to fix it, but you know deep in your mind that I'm walking back into that same situation, into that same, that same relationship that brings me all sorts of stress. My kids are still going to be there in the morning, even though they just went to bed and I took a big, deep exhale. <sighs> oh, that's right. They're going to wake up in the morning and I got to do this all over again. Like, this is what happens. And, and the problem is that the stress cycle never gets completed. So many things in our lives don't allow it to happen. And this has a long-term toll on our health and a massively huge toll on our spiritual lives. Okay? So, um, and maybe it's other things, right? Uh, maybe, maybe it's that COVID won't end. Maybe it's that you look at the world and you just see so many people that are angry, so many people that are up for a fight all the time. And it's just, it's just bringing you this level of, of a lack of rest that you can never, that it feels like you can never achieve. Um, and sometimes in order to fulfill the roles that we have in life, we just endure the stress, right? Sometimes it's easier to just put up with stuff than confront things and try to end cycles. Um, 
None of this is easy, right? So physically, there are things. You can run to end the cycle. You can breathe deeply, which has a massive impact on your, your physical well-being. You can laugh. You can have healthy social interaction. You can have physical affection. All of these things help to restore us and remind us that, that um, I'm, I'm away from the thing that's causing me stress right now, and I can breathe deeply, and, and I can relax. Those are all important to me. I, I practice them, and they go a long way in managing seasons that don't seem to stop. But I believe that Jesus wants us to do, or wants, wants us to do even more than manage this stuff. I believe that, that Jesus wants to transform how we even experience our stresses in order to live life to the fullest and to be a witness to the world about who Jesus is and what his kingdom is all about. As disciples of Jesus, constantly reorienting ourselves to Jesus and the centrality of, um, of the cross and of Jesus' life and his grace this changes the way that we feel and experience all of the difficulties of life, the things that strain us and the things that, that drain us, good ways to think about it. Um, specifically, this week, I've been thinking about the Lord's Prayer as one way to help complete our cycle of stress on a deeper level, okay? Uh, and, and so I want us to hang with this because uh, sometimes we disconnect Scripture from real life. We think that the reason Jesus taught us to pray was because we're supposed to pray. <laughs> You're supposed to pray, so here's how to pray. Well, why are we supposed to pray? What's the point, Jesus? Like, if we don't ever answer that, then we get stuck in these religious routines where everything's just rote. I pray because I guess God wants me to. I'm not really sure. It feels empty. Like, versus no. When we pray, specifically in the ways that Jesus has taught us to pray, we get reminded of the values of God's kingdom and of how God feels toward us and toward the world. This is the end result of communing with God. And so, so it's very, very interesting um, what, uh, what, what happens when we engage uh, with, with this story. Oh man, that was the lion that you're supposed to be running from. And all of a sudden, this froze. Dwayne, show him the lion, brother. There it is. You were supposed to be running from the lion that whole time. All right. Man, okay. Now you can have that moment of stress return to you after we, uh, we made peace with it earlier. Now it's back. So you're going to have to practice the Lord's Prayer to be able to get free from it again. Okay, so let's actually talk about Matthew 6. All right. Um, Oshita Moore, uh, author that actually we're doing a book study for those interested um, uh, about it, about some of the, uh, the ways of seeking shalom. Um, but she writes about this in another book called uh, Dear White Peacemakers. She writes about the Lord's Prayer, and she says it's like Jesus is saying, this is the lay of the land, folks. Like, this is what it's all about. Um, so when you're overwhelmed by stressors, is there anything more helpful than taking a moment to remember what matters the most in all of life? That is what calms me down often. What matters the most and how much does this matter, right? Um, I, I tell that to my children all the time. I'm really, really bad for encouraging my kids to have great grades um, because I don't care. And they, they, they try, but that's all I want them to do. And I really don't care about the, the rest. And so, like, the point is, hey, what matters the most in life? Is it the number behind, you know, is it the 92 that matters most in life? Or is it that you're becoming someone who enjoys learning and who can care for others? And so, like, when we remind ourselves what matters most in life, it changes how we see things. And Jesus gives us a prayer to say, I'm going to teach you what matters most in life, and it's going to reorient you 
at all times. All right, so, uh, so this, is, this is an opportunity. All right, here's what happens, and I'm gonna, we're going to just kind of have, have some fun here because I want you to think about when you are the most stressed out, okay? I want you to think about the lies that you begin to tell yourself and maybe how using some of the words that Jesus gave right at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, right off the bat, how that might change some things um, and, and how you approach them. So in Matthew 6, the first thing Jesus says when you're supposed, when, uh, to, to teach us how to pray is to talk and use the phrase, our Father, okay? And so our Father is all about reminding us that we are not alone, right? Number one, in the midst, one of the things that happens when we're all stressed out is like, I'm, I'm totally out here on my own. I'm the only one that feels that way. Other people can't understand what's going on. I'm, I'm just, ugh, I just, no one's, no one's here for me, whatever the case might be. And so our Father reminds us of two things. Number one, we're not alone because we have a Father who cares for us. We are a part of his family, and we are a child. We very rarely as adults think of ourselves as children, but Jesus really, really seems intent on wanting us to be reminded that we are children. And the second is our. Notice the phrase is not my father. Right off the bat, we are told that we are journeying with other people in a family. It's not just that we have a dad, it's that we have brothers and sisters. Jesus taught them to pray. He said, pray like this, my father. No, very distinctly different. Our father supposed to pray together, or at least in the spirit of community. And so these two things, being re- realizing that we are not alone, our Father, is, is massively important to, uh, to begin to disconnect ourselves from the cycles of stress that we seem to not be able to get out of. <sighs> I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I felt like I was, but it's not true. The second thing is, um, so, so, uh, our Father, and then it goes in, in heaven, right? There's the heaven part, and then hallowed or holy is your name, all right? I'm just going to put holy here. So, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. God is set apart from us, and all of a sudden, uh, I'm not on the top, right? Because that's one of our other temptations, is to think that the world revolves around us and so I have to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders. But our Father in heaven, holy is your name. You are set apart. You are bigger than us, God. And wow, that is such a good thing because of your character. <sighs> I'm not in charge of everything. I'm not on top. It's okay. The world doesn't revolve around me, nor do I have to act like I'm the solution or I have to fix everything on my own power. It continues right? It continues with um, your kingdom come, all right? So all of a sudden, when God, when Jesus tells us to think and pray for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done, all right, we are reminded that our priorities, right? Priorities. That our priorities aren't the highest priorities often. So much of our stress is often related to the fact that we have imbalanced priorities. That we, once again, we think it all depends on us. And our Father in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Right now I'm just thinking about what I want and need, but really, really is, you know, 
Is it the end of the world in the kingdom of God if the stock market goes up or down? Is it? Is it the end of the world in the kingdom of God if my car breaks down and I have to spend a few hours changing my schedule? You know, is this presentation that I'm worried about the end of the world? Is the fact that we're running late to, to get dinner ready and the kids are, are hungry, is that, is that the end of the world or does Jesus want me to say your kingdom come, your kingdom is based on love and care and I just need to be present with my kids instead of telling them to knock it off. I'm trying to get everything finished. Our priorities get reoriented when we come back to the kingdom of God and what it's all about. Um, on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, we're just skipping the bread. Totally. Because I got an issue with that and we're going to come back to it. All right, so give us today our daily bread and then we move, yeah, I know, you're supposed to be offended. You're supposed to be like, oh, um, okay. Forgive us. I'm going to run out of space. Forgive us our sins reminds us that internal peace is possible through grace. Right? Internal peace is possible because you don't have to be perfect because God is a God who longs to forgive. And then as we forgive... Okay, reminds us that relational peace is possible. We're just going to do that. Relational peace is possible because we have been freed from condemnation. We've received grace, so we can certainly extend it to others. So, so we can release things when people have hurt us, and that's the cause of our stress. So you, do you understand all of these things Jesus is telling us? Telling us about what matters most and reorienting us. And then this is really cool. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Is reminding us what? Hey, we're not alone. We'll go back into the top. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. We're not alone in this battle. In the difficult fight of, of personal transformation, of of the, the temptations to focus on ourselves or to, to go after the easy way out in so many ways. And then, this is cool, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. What are we talking about? You're not on the top again, right? So we come back to the reminders that right at the end, I'm not alone in this journey and it's not about me. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So good, except we skipped one part. Can we talk about bread for a minute? I want to talk about bread for a minute because all of this, this forgiveness um, and, and everything else, this all, uh, th it all is big about how big and beautiful God is. And when we read the scriptures, we get the, the image that God is a God of absolute abundance, right? I mean, just look, just look at these. Oh, here we go. Here's your, here's your, uh, your daily meme for each week. We always, we like to share more memes than any other church. It's the only thing that we care about. Um, get it. Do the one about our daily bread because the ducks like to eat bread. That's the joke. You're not laughing enough. Okay. So look at all of the passages in the scriptures about abundance. Ephesians 3, God can do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to his power and glory, all, all this stuff. Look at Ephesians 4, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. We got a lot to work with here, right? Matthew 9, if you want to give good gifts to your kids, just imagine how much more 
God longs to give good gifts to those who ask him. Okay, look at all of these elements of abundance. And then in the middle of the prayer that Jesus is teaching us to pray, we are told, give us our daily bread. Doesn't it feel like it ought to be more than that that we're asking for? Like, give it all, God. Give us a feast, Lord. Give us more bread than we could ask or imagine. Let's quote the scriptures. Satan loves to do that. You know, like, like let's, let's, let's say, come on, God. Like, this, it doesn't match this idea of daily bread. It doesn't match the rest of the values of this whole prayer, does it? That's, why, that's what we're supposed to ask. Does it? And eventually we're going to get to, oh, man, totally and better. But, but what we need to ask is, what's the deal with daily bread? Now, you don't have to go too far to realize that when Jesus says something like that, um, one of the things that's being referenced is uh, the, only, the, the concept of daily bread is brought up in the book of Exodus when uh, the people of God are in the wilderness after they have uh, left Egypt from their slavery. And God gives them this substance called manna. And they think they're going to die of starvation. And instead, every single day, God faithfully provides exactly what they need to have actually more than enough. Their stomachs get filled every single day. Okay? And there's a story about them trying to hoard more. And it goes all nasty and gets filled with maggots. It's super gross because God says, listen, come to me each day for this and you will have more than enough. Okay, so that's number one. Give us our daily bread is a remembrance of how God cared for the people of Israel at the beginning with manna in the desert. But bread keeps going because in the book of John, right at the beginning of the entire book in John 6, Jesus, in the midst of sharing food and, and feeding a whole crowd, they ask him more about food because they're more hungry. And Jesus says this, I am the bread of life, which is a really, really interesting thing to be aware of. In John 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Okay, so what I want you to think about here, what I want you to think about is that Jesus probably didn't say any of these things only once. If you know anything about good teachers, then they find a way to communicate what they're wanting to communicate in lots of different ways and in lots of different contexts. So it's silly for us to think that, that Jesus only said each of these statements once. He probably said many of them regularly. He told them in, in homes. He told them to crowds to help describe who God was. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and believes in me will never be thirsty. So we can bet that this was in Jesus' mind. I'm the bread of life when the topic of bread comes up in the scriptures, in the New Testament, in the Gospels. The Gospels always link Jesus himself to bread and to what it does. So daily bread then becomes a constant awareness of the gift of Jesus himself and his touch in our lives. See, the bread sentence may actually be the entire key to the whole prayer and the key to our stress cycles. Jesus, I am going to look to receive you every day, every moment. I am constantly going to be looking to receive what you want to give me that I know will be enough because you are abundant, okay? See, uh, this, this, this whole prayer, but specifically this, Jesus is freeing us from the do more, have more, obtain more culture that we live in. Instead, we rest and we celebrate that Jesus is always available 
to help us jump out of the cycles of stress that we get caught in that feel like there's no end in sight by reorienting us to what's true. Because we are so loved that nothing, nothing can get in the way of that love. None of our life situations can get in the way of that love. But it has to be experienced constantly and regularly. It can't be hoarded. Fresh bread is amazing. We had fresh bread, I think, last night? No, Friday night. Friday night, Bethany cooked some fresh bread, and it was so good. But guess what? Stale bread is horrible, right? I mean, it's just the worst. I don't know if you've ever had bread that's like on that edge where it's not green yet, but you don't realize how stale it is. I've actually had bread where the part of it is green, and I didn't catch that, but, you know, penicillin, right? Uh, so, so anyways, um, stale bread just tastes horrible. It is, it, you can't even digest it, right? And so bread is so interesting in, in, this, con, in this context. Um, Jesus is not the kind of thing that we can stock up for on a rainy day. We, we can't starve ourselves all week and then gorge on Jesus on Sundays because your stomach can only hold so much. You can't eat seven days worth of food in one meal. If you've ever fasted and then come out of fasting, you'll realize that because you eat a small meal and you're like, whew, I'm full. You know, people that want to eat big, big Thanksgiving meals at four o'clock in the afternoon should have a very large breakfast. Actually, like, true. Not sure why you would, like, want to plan to stretch the stomach out, but, you know, it's, it's, it's true. It's how it works. So you have to eat regularly to be able to stay nourished, and you can't just catch up all the time from behind. And so maybe that's a link to this daily bread idea. Um, when we link daily bread to God's longing for regular presence with us and ongoing health and sustenance, all of a sudden we realize that we're intended to be in this rhythm of coming back and encountering God and God's gifts all day long, every day. I pray the Lord's Prayer every day, uh, sometimes with others and sometimes alone. And each time I do that, each time I go back to this prayer, if it means something, if I'm actually thinking about what I'm saying, all right, then it compares the values of God's kingdom and the worth that we are given to the values of the world and the worth that we are told we have to earn. And we are reminded that we have been set free. Every time we move toward Jesus, we have a chance to complete the stress cycle, to let God remind us that our souls are safe and to recalibrate us. Um, it also means God opens your eyes to whatever you, uh, you might have that is yours to do that day so that you can be fully present to give and receive whatever God provides moment by moment for you to live out his kingdom rather than feeling like one day I'll have enough margin, right? One day I'll finally get to the point of rest. Nope doesn't work like that. Jesus has given you bread for today. You still need seasons of rest, no doubt, but Jesus has given you bread for today and purpose for today, and it'll taste good, and it'll give you strength, and it'll fill you and satisfy you today, no matter what tomorrow holds. Um, but we all know how hard that is to live out in real life, like we really do. Um, I am more tired these days than I probably let on, and I try not to be inauthentic, but my goodness, the exhaustion is deep after the past two years. Um, I don't mean the kind of like, I didn't get good sleep last night. I mean the deep, deep spiritual soul exhaustion and depletion that we sometimes feel. Um, the weight of the heaviness of the world sometimes weighs on me, the weight of unmet expectations. Um, yeah, so more days than not, in the past few months, I carry this kind of low-level hum of like stress or sadness, like, like a bathroom fan that you leave on and you don't realize it's on because it's just constantly going. 
and then all of a sudden someone turns it off and you're like, oh, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize the impact that was having on me. Um, that's what the pandemic years for me personally have been and probably for, for a number of you as well. Um, and, uh, and I've put some really important good practices into place and I've tried to manage my stress, but that, that is not enough and it won't be enough. Um, in a new way, I feel like I personally need to lean in to Jesus for renewal. And I don't know if it makes you weirded out to hear a pastor say that, that they need to lean into Jesus in a fresh way. But it's really important to me right now that I feel like God is calling me to a new season of personal renewal. I don't know what that'll look like. Um, but uh, but I, I need to be reminded that I'm not alone, that I'm not at the top, that the world doesn't revolve around me, that my priorities are not always the same as the kingdom's priorities. Um, and and uh, I'm realizing God's calling me to be more present and respond to the moments that God brings me today really well. But I, I, I just think sometimes we forget how, uh, how truly immersive and ongoing discipleship is if we're going to be actual practicing Christians. We need to, uh, to be saved over and over and over again. We need to be rescued by, by Jesus from ourselves and the condemning and tempting forces around us. We need to hear Jesus say, like he said to Philip in the first chapter of John, come and follow me. And we need to hear Jesus say to us, like he said to Peter in the last chapter of John, again, come and follow me. You notice that that calling from Jesus occurs in the first and the last chapter to someone who is brand new and to someone who has been journeying as close as anyone can journey with Jesus for years? Come and follow me, Jesus says to Peter. And he recalibrates him. It's so beautiful. So um, that following will look like newfound freedom, not newfound pressure for us. Yeah. Many of us are on empty all the time, but Jesus wants to fill our spirits, and he wants to do that in a, a supernatural way, and he wants to give us a pervasive sense of well-being. Jesus is the daily bread that fills us up, that gives us pause to our stress cycles and reminds us of what matters. So I invite you this morning to just come back. Come back to a place of surrender and receiving. Come back to rest in your Father's care. Come back to seeing the world through the eyes of faith and charity. I'm working on that today, and I want you to join me. Um, so how about this? Let's close this time by standing and actually sharing the Lord's Prayer together. Let's speak these words out, and let's speak them slowly. And I want you to let them wash across you fresh, not just as a desire, because sometimes we think of prayers as desires. But let me tell you, when Jesus gives us a prayer to pray, it's not just about our desires, it's about who God is. And so let the truth of who God is wash over you. Your Father is in heaven his name is holy. You are a part of a family. God's kingdom is overarching any of the things that we think sometimes are the most important. God will give us bread. God longs to forgive us. God enables us to forgive others. God leads us away from the things that will rip us apart and protects us. God's kingdom is above all. That's how we need to hear this sometimes, okay? So I invite you to let that just wash over you. As you, uh, as you pray these words with me. So let's pray slowly. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus, let it be so. Renew us.